Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of The Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be discussing some books that have caught our eye, like what we're looking forward to reading in 2024. (laughs) I know last time we were kind of down on the, you should read this and you should read that, but now we're going to tell you some things that we just think you should kind of know about or put on your radar. Yeah, mostly looking at Q1, because I feel like it's too overwhelming to look beyond March for me. <laughs> I just like, I can't think that far ahead. Right. Okay. Um, but before we get to that, like what's your weeks been like since we last recorded? What have you been reading? What's going on? Yeah. I mean, I'm still a bit in that reading slump that we talked about. So in some ways it's still the same books. I, um, I'm, I'm getting towards the end of absolution, which is the Alice McDermott book that I was having trouble getting through, but I kind of pushed myself and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I will be <laughs> glad when it's over, but I am not, I didn't regret that I'm, that I picked it up. It just for whatever reason caused a like three week slump for me. But anyway, I'm almost done with absolution. I'm like halfway done with the berry pickers, which I think we discussed that I was going to move to my blow dry book, which I did. So that's now my blow dry book, which seems to be a good, um, a good <laughs> format for me with that one. And I did just finish the um, Britney Spears memoir. Oh. I have thoughts on it. I want to like, hear them. Okay. So, you know, I love celebrity memoirs. And I knew Uh-oh. that this one obviously was going to be an interesting memoir. It wasn't <laughs> going to be your typical memoir because of what she went through. But what I wasn't expecting was like, honestly, I felt like I was reading like dystopian, misogynist horror because what she went through was awful. Like it makes me furious that, you know, that her family did this to her and that the men that that she was involved with used her for their own personal gain. But like, it's kind of hard not to read the Britney Spears memoir as like sort of a referendum on women, on like how women are treated. And like it, it kind of pushed like, you know, red clocks, handmaid's tale buttons for me. And I, you know, especially with like a looming election and the abortion <laughs> stuff, like, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but like, I, I, to me, this book was a lot bigger than just a celebrity memoir, at least as far as like, just what it sort of stood for. Like the fact that she had no one to help her and that, well, that nobody would dare help her and that there were so many men making decisions for her and, you know, decisions about really, really personal things. Um, it just kind of got my blood boiling. So I'm not, it's not, this is not at all a bad thing. Like it was, I'm glad I read it. And, uh, like, is it great literature? Like, or, you know, is it amazingly written? No, it's not. Um, is Britney Spears like, did she write it? Um, there's no way I'm sure it was ghostwritten. And I don't think she's like necessarily the brightest bulb on the tree. And she even admits that she looks back on certain parts of her life. She's like, I was really dumb. I did really dumb things, but it doesn't. She was also a child. (laughs) She was also a child. And she was a child who was forced into like this sort of like sexualization and then forced to go back to childhood. Like she had these weird, like whiplash inducing things that were, you know, contradictory 
directions she was constantly being forced into. And I don't know, like I, I was very affected by it. So anyway, I'm glad I read it. I liked it. Um, it just like got me very angry, which I, I mean, I think that's the point. I was reading some reviews last night because I posted my review. Um, and some people were like, I think that she wrote this too soon. Like there are people who said like about the Matthew Perry book and now this one, that it was too soon after their lives. I even heard this about the, um, the Elliot page book that it was too soon after like the really seminal changes in their lives that they wrote these memoirs and that they should have given it more time. Well, in the case of Matthew Perry, thank God he didn't. And what I say about that in this case is like, she was probably dying to tell her story the second that conservatorship was lifted. She probably wanted to figure out how she was going to like tell the world what she'd been through. She couldn't do it while she was under the, you know, under the thumb of the lawyers and her father and all this stuff. So like, maybe it would have been better if she'd waited, but I don't blame her one bit for not. Cause she probably just was like, I need to get this out now and tell the world what happened to me. You know, I think that the interesting thing about the Britney Spears memoir, just, you know, I haven't read it, just hearing the excerpts and just like kind of seeing some of her story over the years is that it happened to a white woman who is so famous Mm -hmm. and had the potential to have so much support because I don't think like, unfortunately, especially too, with like elderly people, I don't, I mean, there's just so much about people being preyed on through conservatorships and being controlled and, you know, like bad actors acting as conservators for elderly people and just kind of like throwing them somewhere and spending all their money Mm-hmm. And I think that we just don't think a lot about how vulnerable certain pieces of our population can be like with her, um, that they managed to get away with it because she was just like, I mean, she just had so many resources and that one, that one breakdown was just, you know, I guess maybe her family was, was calculating to begin with. It seems like it was like a long line of just disrespect and, and abuse towards women in that family in particular. Yeah. I think that's right. And I guess savvy in that respect as well. And I think she, you know, grew up a good Southern girl and sort of took it. Like she didn't push back. That was not how she was raised. And she just was like, okay, I'll do it. Um, And then when she did push back, she was so, so silent so quickly that like, I think she just was like, oh my God, I'm trapped. Like there's nothing I can do. Yeah. And I think it's too child, you know, like basically, I mean, when someone has control of your career and I, I, you know, I remember when she was out and she was saying she'd made certain decisions about how she was going to appear places or whatever, just even in terms of expressing her sexuality. I don't know that I ever bought that someone that young. I mean, we've been that young when you, when you're that young and you think, you know, so much, (laughs) Mm-hmm. And to be just like up against the machine of your family and the music industry and everyone who's just looking to profit off of you. Um, it's not like she was, I mean, I guess, gosh, she's been, how, how, how old was she when she went into this conservatorship? I think she was in her late twenties. I think she was in the conservatorship for 13 years. And I think by the time she got out, she was in her late thirties. So she must've been mid twenties, like 25, 26. She had little kids. Yeah. And I would kind of argue that she was just like never away from her family, never outside of the people who basically were with her from when she was doing this as a child. So she never got to 
have her own autonomy and have her own people who could have been more helpful to her. Like everyone mm-hmm. was probably in place by her family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that her story does make my blood boil. <laughs> mm. You know, just that, I don't know. Yeah. just with, with that amount of wealth, you know, it does kind of give like, if she couldn't stop this from happening. Right. Or have more support. And, uh, you know, when you juxtapose it to we're in an election year, it does seem <laughs> yep. a little bit more fraught. Yeah. It, that's what, what, that's how I felt when I was, I don't think I like had processed that till I started writing the review last night. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm so angry. I was um, like, what am I, like, what is this pushing in me? And I was like, oh yeah. It's- especially since we're like, basically this is the last election, a do-over, like. Yep. Oh, anyway, let's not go there. Okay. What are you reading? Um, so I have been tearing through some things because <laughs> remember at the la- the end of last year, I thought the Heaven and Earth grocery store, I was reading two books that I really liked that I did not finish, The Unsettled by Ayanna Mathis and The Heaven and Earth grocery store by James McBride. And mm-hmm. I stand by the fact that I think that I will really, really love these books, but they're just not the time for me to read them. So... <laughs> Mm-hmm. I have I have not read them yet. I anticipate them being on 2024's best of list for me when I get through them. But I have taken a dive into basically, I don't know, romantic fantasy is what has been getting me. I told you I read the fourth wing book and then I read the sequel Iron Flame. And then I read A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. So the fantasy is just really getting me through. Like I've whipped through some books because... I don't know. It's not like there are not parallels to, I guess, our government and things that society that we're surrounded by in society. But, you know, there's like there's dragons and fae. So it's not as much pressure. And I don't know. I'm just like I'm just into it right now. So mm-hmm. a lot of my picks will probably reflect <laughs> the moment that I'm in. Um, And then. I went to Three Lives the other day and I was just doing a browse because I got uh, the new V Schwab book, which I started reading. But I also got this book called The Things We Do to Our Friends by Heather Darwin. And it is set in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, it is about, it's like our catnip gale. It's like college students and fitting in. And it's about this young woman who's trying to find herself when she goes to um college in Scotland. I can't, I don't know where she's from. And she's like from a small Scottish town, I think, but she meets these, this like click um, who is from London or whatever. And it's just like supposed to be one of these mysterious friendships. Like she starts hanging out with this group and they kind of get her into these things. So that's what I'm reading right now. And it's, I'm enjoying it. So that's, that's, that's my moment. Um, I have not set a, a Goodreads goal for this year. Did you? Yeah, I think we had first this last week. I think um I think I dropped down to sixty because I was finding seventy. So it's like the the holy grail for me. It never happened. So um I think I did sixty. Okay. So on that note, is there anything else you're reading besides your blow dry book? You're still just kind of trying to get yourself out of your slump, sorting yourself out a little bit. Yeah, I started actually a romance um, called The Last Love Note by Emma Gray, which is a book that was sent to me. And um, like I found it on audio and I was like, you know, maybe a nice romance will be like a good, (laughs) a rom-com will be good for me while I'm 
trying to get out of the slump. So you should um, try that book that I read that was about the house Oh, the seven year, is it the seven year switch? It's about the mm. house that slides back and forth in time, seven years. That was, that was mm, pretty good. That sounds good. A little sort of time travel. Yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's where I am. Okay. All right. So we have taken a look at the pub cow for 2024 and have some thoughts on books coming out in the next couple months. Um, I've not read any of these. Some of them I have in the house, but I haven't read any of them. Can I just say something about, (laughs) can I ask you, have you read the, um, have you read any Kristen Hanna books? No, (laughs) I haven't. I have a bunch. I was laughing because I have a bunch. I have the Nightingale and it was just so funny when I saw the new one, the women. And I was like, I'm probably not going to read this either. I know I am. I'm looking at them right now. I have the Nightingale, the great alone. Uh, (laughs) I feel like there's other ones. They're like these big doorstopper at heart back books that are sitting in my den, but no, this is another one. It's 480 pages. Yeah. Probably not going to happen. Although people love them. I know. I know. And I've been meaning to read, read one. I mean, yeah. Oh wait, I have another one. What's that one? That one is called though. The four seasons. Yeah. I have three of them in my house. She's just working her way through the different periods of history. Right. Oh, good for her. Oh, my God. Okay, well, is it on your TBR list for 2024 here or no? No, no. I just took a note to mention it to you because I feel like we were just collecting Krista Hanna books and never reading them. And yeah. And this one I looked at and I was like, yeah, well, this one I know I won't read. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't you kick us off with what you are interested in reading? Um, okay. So guess who's back? This, this, this is not going in any month order. Sorry guys. Just like whatever's catching my attention. AJ Finn has a new story, has a new novel coming out February 20th called end of story. You remember years ago, he wrote the woman in the window, which was like a blockbuster success. There was like a, did they make a movie out of that? They definitely, I know they made that Netflix booth, like the woman in the window drinking wine or something. Right. <laughs> uh, right. I don't know if they made like a, a, a serious movie. I don't know if they made a movie. serious movie. Cause like he kind of had, I don't know. There was like this big scandal that he was involved in talking about um, his career in publishing. And was he kind of accused of appropriating people's stories? It's so funny how, Oh, yeah. This was there like was such a big, big thing. Yeah, there was this big scandal and it just like. Yeah, was it plagiarism? Like he had lifted parts of the story from something I else? I feel like it could not have been played like straight out plagiarism because he has a new book. But maybe because I think he's also, he is an editor in the industry or whatever. And I think yeah. that that was kind of like. No, oh, but they do say his, a suspense novelist trail of deceptions. It was in the New Yorker. His life contains even stranger twists. It's so funny because I read this. I know I read this and would have known all of the twists and turns. But anyway, it was interesting that he has a new book out. Um, It starts off with, I'll be dead in three months, come tells my story. And it's a reclusive mystery novelist says that to a longtime um, correspondent who's an expert in detective fiction. So he, since he only has months to live, he invites her to his San Francisco mansion to help draft his life story. And 
I guess there's like some mystery about what's going on in his family. Like his, he has a second wife and he is helping to raise his nephew and he has a daughter who's very protective over him. And she gets caught up in the web of these people and finds that there is another story that she might like to uncover in Sebastian's life because his first wife and son like vanish mysteriously. I completely missed that you had a book out. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that on any of the lists that I was looking at, and I wonder if is is he been like, you know, is he sort of being shunned? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, where did I see this? Actually, no, he has an ad on Goodreads right now, but I don't remember where I saw it. And then I looked at the Harper Collins website; it was there too. Hmm. So elegant, absorbing, full of Hitchcockian, Hitchcockian menace. Um, but I w- I'm curious how they're going to promote it. I'm surprised I haven't heard more about it because you would think this would be a big book. Yeah, I would think so. That's interesting. Um, okay, so my first book, and I wonder if this is on your list as well. Nicole and I have not shared the list before we got on to record. Um Mine is the next book by Kylie Reed um, called oh, okay. Come and Get It. Um, did you have that on your list? No, it's, it was a little weird. Yeah. So this is by the woman who wrote um, Such a Fun Age, which Nicole and I both read and I know talked about a fair amount when it came out, I want to say three, four years ago. So this is um, now going to be a, an academic setting. You've got um, a student at the University of Arkansas, who gets entangled with a visiting professor who seems to have all kinds of ulterior motives. So has a world of money, vengeful pranks, indiscretions, and a whole bucket full of bad behavior. So she's taking on academia here. And I don't know, it sounded kind of interesting. I mean, I I liked her last one. Um, I found it really readable. So if I, this may be one that I would pick up, like if I were either in a slump or needed something a little lighter between heavier books, but it sounds good. So it's called come and get it by Kylie Reed. And it comes out on January 30th. Hmm. Well, I'll be curious if you pick it up. Okay. To see, to see what you thought. I'm just trying to remember if I remember such a fun age and the plot is, is it's kind of still floating around there. Was it? Um, it was a nanny. Mm-hmm. Who worked for a family? Yeah, she was kind of like making bad choices, and something right. happens. She goes to a store, and someone accuses right. her the of beginning. Like, kidnapping, kidnapping the kid because and she starts dating this guy. <laughs> yes, starts dating this guy, right? And she's black, and her nanny, her the family she works for is white, and the woman is like a social media inf- Instagram influencer type person with this kind of like quote unquote perfect life. Yeah. Right. It was a that was a pretty hot book for a while. Yeah, and it actually came out in twenty like the last day of twenty nineteen. Okay. Yeah, so four years ago. That's about right. So next up on my list is by Alex Michelides. It's called The Fury. Um he wrote his first book, I think, The Silent Patient got so much attention. I read The Silent Patient and then I also read his book, The Maidens, which I liked considerably less than I did Silent Patient. But since that was the second, it was the second novel and I did read the entire thing. It's not like I didn't finish it. I'm really curious to read The Fury. 
he usually has some kind of like Greek elements in his novels. This one is about a spontaneous trip to a private Greek island. And like, of course, something happens on this island. Like they're trapped there overnight and someone ends up like either missing or dead. And there is a narrator who's going to tell you the entire story of, of what is going on. I don't want to say too much. I'm, I can't say what is a pet peeve because it's going to, it would give away what it is that I don't like about this book. And not that it's about the book itself. It's about how people explain the book. Like they'll tell you something. And it's something that I think is such a, I think it's a spoiler. Like, I think that there are certain things that you shouldn't know about a book and its characters and how they're behaving that sometimes people give away. So I, I won't, say that I'm dying to say it and talk about it, but maybe I'll bring it up in a different, ep- <laughs> different episode <laughs> where I can just talk about the thing itself. Cause it is such a pet peeve and, and yeah, I can say something related because I hate when people, when people will tell you that it has an ambiguous ending too. Oh yeah. That's annoying. So that is annoying. I'm going to make a note. Maybe we should do, we should do a bookish pet peeve show. Cause I've got, there's that one. And then there's this one that I'm just biting my tongue on. Oh my God. We've done that. Yeah. Bookish we pet have. Peeves. But we could do a bookish pet peeve, like about book reviews or book, like marketing language or like, I don't know, or just do our bookish pet peeves and just update it. Yeah. I'm sure we've come up with new ones. I'm sure. I don't even remember what I said. On <laughs> I have to listen to it. You'll have to get back and listen to that. I just remember that was a good episode. We got really worked up. That's good. <laughs> okay. So my next one is um, also a repeat author for me. And this one, I have to say, kind of similar to the Kylie Reid one. The fact pattern isn't isn't necessarily grabbing me because I like the author so much, I would maybe give it a chance. So the book is Family Family by Lori Frankel. Lori Frankel wrote This Is How It Always Is, which is a really wonderful book about a family sort of processing one of their kids being transgender and transitioning. And it's a really sensitively told story about how the family sort of, and this came out a while ago, kind of before I think trans the conversation around strength around transgender parenting had become much more common. So, I mean, it's probably been like 10 years since I read that book, but, um, and I, she wrote another book that I read before that one, whose name is of course escaping me. Um, and that one was also really interesting. It was about this person who, gosh, she's so ahead of her time. This person who had created a program where you could, take a a live person's like entire sort of social media text email inbox. And then after that person died, you could basically recreate their personality and have them continue to correspond with people. I feel like you read a book similar to that. It was called Goodbye for Now. That was the one that I read. What's interesting is like now with AI, like right. she basically like predicted AI, you know, years and years and years ago. But so her new one is called Family Family, and it is about a an actress who makes a movie about adoption. But 
she is also an adoptive mom in real life. She has twins who she has adopted. And it turns out that she doesn't like the way the movie is portraying adoption. She thinks it's kind of perpetuating these old stereotypes about adoption and this kind of tragic, I don't know, I, I have... I guess it, that the the children are like these tragic figures and and she doesn't think that what she's what's being portrayed in the movie is really the way it, it's it's not consistent with her own experience as an adoptive mother. So when the movie comes out she pans it and basically says she doesn't like the movie and thinks it's bad. So then things get really messy. So I don't and for whatever reason the plot's not grabbing me the way her other books did, but because mm-hmm. it's Lori Frankel, I would I would absolutely pick it up. I really love her writing and I just, her books are very thoughtful. And once you get into them, they're, you know, you, I find them really satisfying. So I'd probably read this one. That sounds interesting. I really like her writing as well. Do which ones have you read? Did you read, this is how it always is. This is how it always is, is the one I've read. Yeah. So good. That was such a good book. Um, I think I recommended it to my mother. She had another one that came out more recently called One, Two, Three, and it, it, I don't even remember what it's about, but the plot also kind of didn't really appeal to me that much. It was, oh, right, right, right. It's about these triplets, these triplets who live in a small town and one of them doesn't speak. And then the water turns green in the town. And so there's like this <laughs> environmental cause and they get involved with that. It, I think it seemed like too many things were happening. <laughs> I was like, wait, there's too many plots going on here. So that felt overwhelming and I never picked it up. What do you got? So mine is The Last Murder at the End of the World by Stuart Turton. Um, I really liked his book, The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Like it is on, I don't know. I think if I had to say of the last decade, like one of the books that I most enjoyed was probably that one. And it's sitting on my shelf so I can sufficiently forget it enough to reread it again. Um, He seems to like these puzzle type books. Uh, I didn't read his second book that's coming out. I've wanted to. So it looks like I'll read the third and then maybe go back. But he, um, his books, Death of Evelyn Hardcastle, you really couldn't tell like where it was set, you know, like if it was set in the past or the future. Um, Obviously there were some kind of magical elements because the plot, points basically follow someone who has to figure out when Evelyn Hardcastle is going to be murdered in order to escape um, this community that they're in. And like I said, with him, you just, there's just kind of things that you just don't know about the world. Like, is it set in the present? Is it set in the past? It's, it's very ambiguous, kind of like steampunk in a way. But anyway, so this one is basically about the same thing. It is about these people who are living on an island um, and uh, like some kind of fog has destroyed the planet. And then they have like 120 villagers are living with just a few scientists on this island in peace and harmony. But now they are going to be confronted by this, keeping this fog at bay. Like they've got to figure out how to do it within 92 hours or the fog will basically just kill everyone on the island. So I don't know if this one particularly sounds as appealing as Evelyn Hardcastle was, but, you know, I really enjoyed that book. So it's, it's more like a trust exercise. Hmm. Seems to be a theme. There's a lot of trust going on (laughs) on this list. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, with those, with those sophomore novels, you just never know. Right. I have um, Evelyn Hardcastle sitting here on my shelf at every time you talk about how much you love it. I turn around and look at it and say, <laughs> there it is. I see it right there. Well, you definitely have to dis um, suspend disbelief though, Gail. I know, but it seems cool. Okay. So my next one is also a repeat author for me and is called Leaving by Roxana Robinson. Um, she wrote a book called Cost many years ago about a f family trying to help their daughter who is addicted to heroin. And it was just really all about the impact on the family of the ups and downs of having a family member who's addicted and the the cycle, the rehab, the money, the stealing, the wondering, the waiting. And it was a very difficult, but really well-written book. And she has a new book now out about two people. I think they were college, had a relationship in college, and then they go their separate ways. And now they're they've crossed paths again and they've kind of rekindled their marriage, their love, even though I think one is divorced and one is actually still married. So it's just about the, the reconciliation of the two of them and how they, it kind of blows up their worlds and what happens to it, the aftermath of that. So that's kind of catnip for me. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited to read this one. Uh, I've actually had it for a while, but I kind of wanted to wait until closer to when it came out, which is February 13th. Seems like an anti-Valentine's Day book. <laughs> um, or maybe it is a Valentine's Day book. Maybe it's romantic. I don't know. But I, I'm very eager to read this one. My next one is a book by a woman who we've both read. Um, it looks like this is going to be another, looks like, is it historical romance? It says leap years are strange, enchanted time. And for some, even a single February can be life-changing. So it's by Tia Williams. And she wrote Seven Days in June, which I read and I really enjoyed. I guess that one was about two writers who had been connected in the past and they come together again when they meet each other at the conference. And they're just like both working on heavy issues from their childhood. This one mentions that there's going to be magical realism involved, but I really like Tia, Tia Williams. So her last book that I read. So here we are again with another trust fall. It's called The Love Song for Ricky Wilde. I was not a fan of that book. I know. So I, yeah. <laughs> It didn't work for me, so I probably won't be picking that one up, but I've seen it everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I've seen it on lists. I haven't seen it. like I don't think it's out yet, but I've seen it around. Yeah, it's coming out February 6th. Okay. That's so funny that Goodreads did not really have a, a good description of it, but it talks about leap years being enchanted times. And to, this year's a leap year, so maybe, yeah, of course, that's probably <laughs> the timing right. is right. It says, set a drop against the backdrop of modern Harlem and Renaissance glamour. It's so funny how you can't say certain words together. Modern Harlem. Modern Harlem. That is hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So my next book is a memoir called Splinters by Leslie Jameson. It's funny. I had caught, like I'd gotten like a, a digest of a New Yorker issue, the most recent New Yorker issue. And there was, she has a um, an essay in there about having a baby at the same time that her relationship is falling apart. So I think that she got married quickly to someone and then quickly got pregnant and then all of a sudden had a baby and is sort of dealing with new motherhood at the same time 
that this relationship, which she had thought was going to last, falls apart. And then I realized that she, the essay in The New Yorker must be an excerpt from this book, because now she has a book coming out on February 20th called Splinters. A ruptured marriage once swollen with hope and the shaping legacy of her own parents' complicated bond combined with her consuming love for her young daughter. So it examines what it means to be a woman of, to be, it means for a woman to be many things at once, a mother, an artist, a teacher, a lover. So um, I don't know. This just seems like kind of up my alley. I don't really know much about it. I don't know much about her just other than she caught my eye in a couple of different mediums. So I want to give it a <laughs> So an audiobook on my list is Anna O. It actually came out January 3rd of this year by someone called Matthew Blake. And it is a story about this. Oh gosh, I feel like every book is about a murder. This woman who commits, she commits a double murder and she is sleepwalking when she does it. And then she goes to sleep and kind of doesn't wake up. And it's about the psychologist who wants to work with her. This is giving me major, the silent patient vibes where like a crime happens, the woman never speaks again. And some psychologist or psychiatrist is trying to find out what happened. Um, they want to bring her to trial. So of course they've got to figure out how to wake her up. And of course she's the only one who knows what happened that night. So, and it looks like it's a cast um, book because there's more than one narrator and Dan Stevens is one of them from Downton Abbey. Hmm. Okay. So I will let you know. So I got that off Libro FM. There's something else that I was reading off of that that was that or listening to that was kind of is interesting. I think it's called The Other Follower. I'll just mention that because it came out this month as well. And it is about it's set in Italy, I believe, and it is about this um, young woman who's basically, she's 26 years old. She is kind of listless and floating through life after the death of her sister, you know, who she claims to not care about, but she gets involved with like this 18 year old influencer. And it's supposed to basically just, I guess, show for her from place to place, but they're, as their relationship develops, it becomes a little bit more insidious and just in terms of, you know, whose identity is being put forth, you know, it becomes apparent that she was chosen for this particular job for a reason. And um, I don't know, there's been, it's been really good. It's been a good listen. I think I have 45 minutes left, so I will be able to wrap it all up next time and tell you if it's worthwhile, but so far it has been. Okay. So my next book is called Ours by Philip Williams, and that's O-U-R-S. And this is a book about a woman who, a woman named Saint, who lives in the 1830s, and she goes to plantations all over Arkansas and rescues people who are enslaved there. And she brings the people she's freed to her own town that she has or her own sort of community that she's created just north of St. Louis. And it's called ours. And it's a secret place that other people can't find. And so she creates this experiment where former slaves can come and live in freedom. But she um, leaves like because of 
the vulnerability of this town to outsiders because they are this secret town of, you know, people who have kind of been secretly freed, then they are like almost still, they still don't have freedom because they're in this town and they can't go anywhere and they can't do anything. It says it's set over the course of four decades, steeped in a rich tradition of American literature informed by black surrealism, mythology, and spirituality. It explores the possibilities and limitations of love and freedom. So there's a few words in there that are usually like no-nos for me, like surrealism, (laughs) mythology, and spirituality. (laughs) But there was something about the plot of this one that I found to be really interesting. So this... (laughs) push comes to shove, I probably won't read it given, unless like someone has read it and says, oh my God, you have to read this. Given the kind of surrealism, which is something I'm not a big fan of, I probably wouldn't read it, but I just thought that the plot of it sounded really interesting. And I'm sure that there are people listening for whom this would be really appealing. So I wanted to include it on this list. And again, I feel like I could kind of go either way with it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good to know that. Yeah. So I didn't think I had any March books, but I do have one by a baby by Corolla Lovering. Mm. Um, It's about friendship. Um, Billy and Cassie, uh, they have been best friends, I guess, since junior high school. And, you know, as they grow older, they grow apart. And, you know, one is married and wealthy, but her infant is kidnapped. And it says that the other friend is like very concerned about this, for, but for all of the wrong reasons. So if you know anything about Carola Lovering, she usually has two different narratives going on. Um, her stories are usually characters are, you know, they're like obsessed or driven by certain needs or they're just like in these very fraught relationships. And this one looks like it's looking at Uh, friendship as opposed to, you know, some of like the romantic stuff that she's done in her other novels. Um, But one of her books, I, I had such a hard time reading just because the relationship was just so toxic and so reminiscent of just like relationships friends had been in in college or like right out of school that it was so difficult to listen to. Um, But I think you, you read one of her novels, I think, too. I've read a few of them. Um, I read uh, Too Good to Be True. I didn't read Tell Me Lies. I think Tell Me Lies was the one that was just so so disturbing. That's the one they made into like a Hulu. It was, I think it was adapted on Hulu. I couldn't even watch that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Her books are, they're hard to put down. Yes. So this is a, there's a missing, a kidnapped baby in this one? Yes. And it's, it's, it's kind of like looking at the relationship, why, you know, like, why is the friend concerned? Like there's something deeply wrong with this relationship and something around this, this missing baby. She, Hmm. like, I think she's having like these memories and she's kind of like wondering if she had any type of involvement. Hmm. Interesting. There's always women in sort of desperate straits who are scheming and conniving in her books. <laughs> yeah, she's got good imagination. Um, okay, so my next one is called After Annie by Anna Quinlan. And I don't think I've actually read any books by Anna Quinlan, even though she's written so many of them. I feel like I've um, read one. 
She's written so many, and she seems to write a lot about different kind of stages of life. Uh, so this one is about a woman who dies suddenly and her husband, children, and closest friend are all left to find a way forward without this woman. That's really been sort of a, a central force in their lives. So it's told through the perspective of her daughter, her husband, and her best friend over the course of the year after her death. So it's probably really sad, but, uh, you know, friendship and family and life events, that's what I always like to read. So (laughs) maybe this will be my first Anna Quinlan. I think I actually have this book. I do have this book. I'm looking at it right here. I have it. So the fact that it's already in the house means um, that maybe I'll read it. And it comes out um, in February 27th. It's called After Annie. I'm trying to think of which one I read. Maybe it was black and blue. Mm. It seems to be the one that is like the most well-known. Gosh, I feel like we've talked about so many books. <laughs> yeah, we have. I have three more, but I'm, they're all March, and I'm happy to wait till a later episode. No, let's hear it. Or four more. Okay. Do you have any more, Ooh, or should I just more. do a little speed round of these? Um, I have one more, but if you want to do a little, however you want to do it. Okay. I'll talk about these really quickly. So the first one is by an author I read a long time ago. Her name is Adele Waldman. She wrote a book called, I think it was like the love affairs of Nathaniel P. Like, oh, I don't yeah. know, 15 I years that. ago, a long time ago. So she's written a book about a group of employees at a big box store in upstate New York. And the daily lives um, of the people who work there and what happens when they sort of band together to try to, uh, I guess, try to negotiate for better, you know, better working situations for them. So it says it's a darkly comic workplace caper that explores the aches and uses of solidarity. Hmm. Um, I always like, anything that takes place in a workplace. I don't know. I'm a huge sucker for any kind of a workplace novel. So, um, and I remember liking her last book. So I have this one, I think also in the house. So I'm kind of, I'm excited to look at this one. That's so um, funny because you're talking about your buzzwords and you said darkly comic. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Darkly comic and workplace. I'm like, I'm in. Um, the next one is one that I probably won't read unless again, it has amazing reviews, but it's called The Morning Side by Taya Obrecht. I've not read anything by her, but this is what what got my eye about this one is it reminded me of The Light Pirate by Lily Brooks Dalton, which I read last year. So it's sort of climate dystopia fiction about, it's, it's a city that's never named, but it's definitely New York City. So New York City is now like basically underwater and, you know, demolished and ruined by climate change. But there are people who still live there. I don't really know, you know, what the extent is of the damage. And it's about a girl and her mother who moved to a crumbling luxury tower called the Morningside. And they're kind of trying to, um, you know, figure out sort of how to live in this kind of post dystopian world or post apocalyptic world. And 
what turned me off from it is that there are apparently some kind of magical, mystical elements having to do <laughs> with some people who live in the house. And there's some kind of like a mysterious older woman in the house. And then there may be some like magical realism in there. So that is probably why I will not read this book unless people are like, oh, this is an amazing book and you have to read it. Because I do really enjoy climate fiction, especially imagining the possibilities of what happens to cities, you know, recognizable cities and places that we know after climate change. Um, this is what happened in Light Pirate in Florida. And this one just sounded really interesting, but I'm on the fence on this one. So we'll see. This comes out March 19th. Ooh. Uh, and let's see. The only other two I just quickly want to mention, one is called The Divorces by Rowan Beard. And it is about, um, it's historical fiction about a place in Las, in Reno, Nevada, where women go to get divorced. So I guess that you have to go and then wait like six weeks before you can actually get divorced. So it's about what happens in these quote unquote divorce ranches where the divorcees are in the middle of their six weeks residency and about kind of the relationships that develop at this ranch while they're there. So that sounded interesting to me. And then the last one I just want to point out because it's an author that you and I have both discussed on the show before. It's a new book out by Lisa Ko. We read the book, The Leavers. Mm -hmm. And this is called Memory Peace. And it's about three girls growing up in the 1980s who um, are all kind of feeling alienated and looking for something different in lives. They're all kind of weird. And they... Um, end up, you know, heading in different directions. One becomes a performance artist. One, um, it becomes a coder and one is a community activist. So you trace these three people's lives and it goes from the eighties to the nineties as they, you know, sort of become adults and then all the way into the 2040s. So I'm a sucker for three friend books. And, uh, you know, this seems like a little, maybe a little darker than some of the other ones we've read. And because we've read Lisa Coe in the past, I thought I would mention it here. And that also comes out on March 19th. Sounds good. No, as it turned out, I didn't have one more. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, that's an interesting mix of books. A um, couple of, you know, repeat authors, some new ones, some different is there any one that you think that you are definitely going to read? Like Roxana Robinson, for Roxana sure. Roxana Robinson. Um, leaving, yeah. I'll definitely read that one. And I'll probably read um, Help Wanted. And I may read the Anna Quinlan one for sure. How about you? Um, I'm definitely going to read The Fury. My interest is piqued by the AJ Finn. I'm curious to see like what kind of marketing mm. push is going to be done or if this is kind of like trying to soft shoe him back in. How about um, the Carol Love Rings? I'm yeah, so I'm <laughs> going to read that. <laughs> I'm probably going to listen to Anna O too because that sounds, you know, like I'm curious about yeah. the Sleeping Beauty person, lady. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's a few that you might hear that we – we will report back on. Yeah. But you know, you know how it can be. There's so many books. Everything is so good. Then you turn around and something else is in your face and just down another rabbit hole. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our winter book preview. 
And uh, hopefully you've found some things to add to your TBR or maybe your library hold list. Do it now so that you're the first person there when these books come out in February and March. That is the best. Yeah. And until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. Thanks.